There's a lot to say about the deliciousness of steaks, burgers, and kebabs, and the wonders of a summer cookout. But we figure, why go through all the trouble when beef can speak for itself? Just listen. Translation, beef. It's what's for dinner. Funded by Beef Farmers and Ranchers. Well, and welcome to Sunday Coffee. Bulldogs a 45-6 win yesterday on the road in Nashville against Vanderbilt. Bart Gregory, Charlie Winfield. We're here in downtown Starkville at the Farm Bureau Studios on a overcast Sunday morning. But hey, it's joyful time in Starkville. Anytime you can win a ball game, and I've got my strange brew coffee with me. Charlie has his with him as well. Both have the tall boys this morning. Charlie, I needed mine after sitting up and watching baseball late night last night. Go Astros! By the way. The baseball season ended a couple of weeks ago. I'm completely disinterested. Okay. I'm really disinterested, too. But uh, I'm going to pull for Kendall. That's exactly the reason why. I did not like the Astros prior to the trade that happened. When was it? June the 30th or whenever it was. I still don't like them, but I've softened my stance. Have you? And of course, I guess we better be careful. A lot of loyal Atlanta Braves fans. There are. Listening to us here this morning. I stopped following the Braves when Skip Carey. Handed over the torch. I don't even, I mean, I don't like Pete Van Weird and those guys, but I was a Skip Carey fan. Well, I quit when Ted Turner traded Brett Butler for Lynn Barker. I'm still in a protest. I actually wrote a letter. Picture this sixth grade Charlie Winfield wrote a letter to Ted Turner. Would have been 1983, and I told him, I'm done with the Atlanta Braves. Do you think Jane opened up the letter? All right, enough about the Braves. Yesterday, 45 6 win. The positive about playing Vanderbilt, well, one is, as you know, you've got a high probability of winning. The second thing is the trip to Nashville. Now, you and I didn't have a chance to do that. We had the pregame and postgame shows here. But from a fan base standpoint, it looked like we had a really good crowd yesterday. Of the few thousand that were at the game. Of those who attended, of those, a significant number were Mississippi State fans. Boy, you talk about one of the worst things in sports is to not have hope. Take the Braves, for example. They haven't won the World Series in a long time, but every year they at least give you hope. They draw you back in. We've taken our criticism from Vanderbilt fans over the years for some comments that we've made, just trying to help them. But I'll give them this credit. Those few at least are passionate, but there are very few. There are, and it's amazing how – and that's a, that's a tough situation at, at Vanderbilt right now about how do you get people to games – what do you have to do? And I, I know they announced they're going to go through a facilities upgrade. You kind of wonder if their administration will really let them do it. But, man, I tell you what, Clark Lee in his first year, hey, it's not a situation where he didn't know what he was getting into. He's a Vanderbilt grad. No, eyes were wide open. Yeah, so, I mean, he knew what he was doing. But yesterday we come out, we essentially did what we had to do. And we talked about this on the postgame show last night. When you look at Mississippi State and Vanderbilt, we have not blown out anybody in the last couple of years anybody but we did that yesterday we did what we were supposed to do in that ball game and I thought it all started with the first drive I thought so too the one of the comments I was reading I gotta quit reading Twitter and other things message boards and the like but I was reading ones like well if this had been somebody different we would have gotten killed we wouldn't have gotten away with this against Alabama we weren't playing Alabama no you play who's in front you, you of play you play the team that's on the field is Vanderbilt good no, no. but have we lost to bad teams? 
Yes. yes. <laughs> so here's the thing. I thought we came out, and the thing that we have not been doing all year is putting together good drives on the first series of the game. We did that yesterday. We did what we were supposed to do. Yeah, getting off to good starts. We saw it against Memphis. You fumble that first drive against Memphis, and then all of a sudden you're going uphill. Now, I know we took the lead against Memphis early on in that game before finally relinquishing it later. But you know coming in that Vanderbilt is not very good on defense. You get the football first, put together a nice little drive in there on the first drive. What did we face? One third down in that entire drive? Yeah, and that was in the first sequence, basically. I think we had a third and one, ran for the first down, and then it was just throw it down the field. Yep, got it down to the nine-yard line, and then it was Will Rogers to Makai Polk to get the scoring started. It's first and goal for the Bulldogs at the nine. Plenty of time for Rodgers to the end zone, and it's a touchdown. It's Polk, the leading receiver in the Southeastern Conference in the end zone. Just a little out route right there. Hey, one of the hardest balls to throw is the out route. I because thought you were going to go on like a little fade diatribe here. No, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say that You're for later. Mad you didn't get the fade right there. Let me tell you this. About the third quarter, I got a tweet from somebody or text. I got a text from a friend that said, hey, have you seen the tweet about the fade? It was this guy who had a terrible haircut in the back, and he said, this looks like our fade routes. I'm ready to just – the old edge and arrow. What was the uh, necessary roughness? Oh, was where, it? It wasn't edge and arrow, Gennaro. Yeah, but it wasn't, uh, it wasn't edge and arrow. Who was the defensive coordinator in that? It wasn't Sinbad, was it? No, he was a player. Oh, okay. And it was like the play didn't work. Scott Bakula was the quarterback. Yeah, he just threw it out, said, no, we're not running that again. I wish we would do that with a fade route. But I digress. We score on that first drive. We go ahead seven. They had a female kicker. Kathy Ireland. Kathy Ireland, yes. She was a good kicker, too. Yes. Don't throw it to stone hands. (laughs) I was not prepared (laughs) for a necessary roughness. (laughs) No, I wasn't either. But, hey, we're playing Vanderbilt because that's kind of what they look like. They look like the team was coming off death penalty. I was thinking this morning, if you were handed the keys to a program today, if you could pick between Southern Miss – or Vanderbilt, which one of those teams are you taking if you're a head coach? And why is Southern Miss the right answer? Well, I was going to say Vanderbilt with their endowment. No. But are they spending it all on baseball? But see, if I'm a coach, I'm, I'm looking to be upwardly mobile, right? I'm looking to grow. I don't know what conference Southern Miss is going to end up in. Well, you I say- got a chance to go down there and win six or seven games by beating some bad teams. Look, we're, I don't want to jump ahead, but Mike Wright was one of the guys that I looked at, their quarterback. They're not good. Oh. So I was thinking about that yesterday. I was sitting there going, if you're Clark Lee, the defensive coordinator at Notre Dame, is this the best you can do? And I, and I know he's a Vanderbilt guy. You know, Why do you take that job? And then you sit there and say, well, to your point, well, James Franklin did that. James Franklin is the outlier at Vanderbilt. He came in when a lot of the league was down. He created a storm. He recruited well for, what, two years? One or two years. Won a few ball games. And then jetted. He was not tied to Vanderbilt in any way. And all the things that Franklin did aren't new anymore. Meaning, remember when Franklin came in and it was kind of almost like a draft day? He yeah. Was, he, all these videos are out there of how excited he is. But now everybody's doing that. Everybody sends out 13,000 videos a day. Everybody sends out 13,000 tweets a day, except for the Clarion Ledger when they're talking about Mississippi State. Didn't Jerry DiNardo do okay up there? Got the job at LSU off of it. Did good enough. You know, and then they would talk about what was that guy's name that they threw around every year who did a great job at Vanderbilt, but he'd win four games a year. Bobby Johnson. 
Yeah, he was like SEC Coach of the Year one year, I think. Yeah, like late in 2007, 2008, somewhere in there. I mean, he coached, what, 2009, 2002 to 2009. And then they turned it over to Robbie Caldwell, who – And by the way, Bobby Johnson's high water mark was seven and six. That's what I'm saying. I mean, so, uh, go Coach back. of the Year. Yeah. And, and so that's why I'm saying it's a really difficult job. And I feel like I'm diminishing what we did yesterday. I, that's not at all what I'm intending. Well, that's what you're doing. But but you also have to be realistic about what we did. Yeah, we they, did what we were supposed to do to a bad football team. We beat them badly. We did. And so they come back. They kick a field goal on their, on their second drive. Go five plays, 66 yards. They have the big pass play. What, 61 yards on that second drive? <laughs> Take other, that away. Other than that, they had, what, 84 yards? They on, averaged three and a half plays per drive yesterday. You look at the stats, Charlie. We had the ball 87 plays. They had it 42. 42 plays. The third time since 2000 in the FBS that a team has had the ball less than 45 plays. Our defense kept them off the field. Now, you flip the page, you look at our offense, we stayed on the field. We got third down conversions yesterday. Didn't we have like five drives that went 10 plays or more yesterday? Had five drives that went 10 plays or more. They had one drive that went over five plays. One. Think about that. There was no such thing as multiple first downs for them yesterday. And that was a drive they got in our territory at our 48 after an interception. Hey, you look back at it. When they kicked the field goal early and it got it back to 7-3, to three, we drive down 14-play drive, 55 yards, and we kick a field goal of our own. We had the ball that drive on that field goal drive, seven minutes and 30 seconds. We kicked the field goal by Ruiz, and we take the 10-3 to to lead. They, May I? Sure. Now, we will have some fans that say, this is boring. That's boring. Too many plays. We're not explosive enough. And as much as you'd like to be explosive, isn't there also something nice about being able to control the football? It is. It is, absolutely. And, hey, that field goal, by the way, we took a 10 nothing lead. And that's when they came back down the field and kicked the field goal and got back within 10-3. to three. That's when they went on their seven-play drive. It was actually their second offensive drive. But we had a 10 to nothing lead. And then on our third drive, Charlie, we threw two interceptions yesterday. And I'm not being an apologist right here. This is early in the second quarter. I never really count those really bad against the quarterback. Anytime there's a batted ball at the line of scrimmage, they pick it off. And so, hey, they've got the football in our territory. And here's a big play, a huge play, actually. Yeah, they've got the ball at our 35, down 10 to 3. And then Vanderbilt, you talk about Mike Wright. And what are they doing? I don't know. That's like somebody who heard too many times, hey, now we take our shot. Take our shot down the field. It looked like he was throwing a shot put. And here to me, right here, turned out to be the turning play of the game. Patrick Smith checks in, fake to him, right throws, and this is an easy pickoff. Emmanuel Forbes, who has the most interceptions of any active player in the SEC, with eight, gets the easiest one you'll ever get. You heard Taylor's ours are right there. Easiest interception you'll possibly have. Vanderbilt coming back after the interception, throwing it left side. We pick it off. And for all intents and purposes, that completely changed the game. Their next three drives ended punts. After that interception, it changed Vanderbilt. Now, the thing that we did is we took over at our own 40, actually thought we had thrown a pick, then had to punt. <laughs> then. then they ran through T- Tucker Day about as hard as you can rough a punter. We stay on the field. We end up on a 10-play 60-yard drive. And, hey, we talk about 
stretching the field and going down the field. We talk about the game changing on that Emmanuel Forbes interception, but here's the dagger right here. Going over the top, Will Rogers to Makai Polk. Second and 12, Rogers to the end zone. Caught by Polk. Touchdown. Great grab by the sophomore from Richmond, California. Hey, great pass by Will. But, man, what a job in the back of the end zone by Makai Polk. If you bobble that at all, you don't have time to get your feet in. Yeah, you got to catch Everything it clean. Everything had to be perfect. And I thought right there the game's over. We're up 17-3. We come back score the next drive. We go ahead 24-3 to at the half. And for all intents and purposes, Charlie, we could have gone to the house right then. Yeah, absolutely. There was no contest being had. But then what you have to do right at that point is, I think the halftime talk is, we got to build on this. We don't need to walk out of here. Because remember, we were up at halftime last year, and things got kind of tight in that fourth quarter. So what I wanted to see was us come out of the dressing room, put together a drive the way we did to start the game. I'm not trying to pile on negatives, but that was a negative, I thought, our first drive of the second half. Yeah, let's do good things, bad things. Good things that you saw yesterday. We beat a bad team pretty bad. What was the bad thing you saw yesterday? I think part of it, this takes some perspective, right? On the one hand, you can say we left some points out there. You can say coming out of the dressing room in the second half, we did not put together a good drive. I don't care about the interception. We're third and eight from the 11-yard line at that point. You and I have made this point several times this year. When you're in third and long, throw it up. Throw it way down the field now and then. And if they catch it, so what? It's a punt. Yeah, I'd rather th- see an arm punt that goes 40 yards down the field than a fade route from the eight-yard line on first down <laughs> yeah. or third down. So I didn't have – First or third down. I didn't have a huge problem with the play call or its result. The receiver got bumped off his route. People don't see that, so they want to come back and say terrible throw. I don't care if it was a terrible throw. You at least give yourself a fighting chance there. Beats a handoff up the middle to me. So I'm okay with that. I didn't like that. But on the other hand, you come back, there's a little bit of positive after that, right? Yeah, it was. And to me, that's the good thing and bad thing for me. The the bad thing was our last drive of the first half went three and out. We faced fourth down and one and punted it away right there at the end of the half. And then to come out, we've had our troubles, as we talked about, in the third quarter this year. And you come out that first drive of the third quarter. I know you're backed up deep. Vanderbilt gets the ball to start the third quarter. They have to punt it, pin us back at the nine-yard line. And like you said, we're facing third down and long. It wasn't, to me, the, the interception at all. To me, it was the three and out. To me, it was the first and second down play that essentially gets you off the field to start the third quarter. You're up 24-3 to in the game, and then Vanderbilt off that interception taking over at our 48, drives down, kicks a field goal, went seven plays, 25 yards. They kick the field goal to get it to 24-6. to The positive for me, Charlie, is this. Not only that first drive giving yourself momentum, but answering right there. We come back on our next two drives and put together a 10-play, 63-yard drive and score a touchdown, and then an 11-play, 71-yard drive and score a touchdown. So now all of a sudden, you've taken that 24-6 to lead out to 38-6, to and then it's essentially over. So looking at our stats on Friday that we had in our Friday deep dig brought to you by Trax Plus, looking back at your numbers, did any of your numbers hit in the game? I, I had a couple that hit. The first one was we needed – to hold Mike Wright, the quarterback, under 40 yards of rushing. You almost held him under 40 plays. 
That's what's so crazy. I mean, he he carried like three for 16. Outside the sacks yesterday, he carried it three times for 16 yards. I said we needed to keep him under 40. He's a guy with quick feet. He's not going to beat you with his arm. He can beat you with some – well, he can make you a little uncomfortable. <laughs> Don't say <laughs> he's not going to beat you running the ball. But, I mean, he's going to make you uncomfortable at times running the football. He did not make us uncomfortable yesterday running the football. No, he did. I think I remember your second number was 17. You said, when we got on the plane, they better still have a 17-game losing streak. Yeah, we did that. We did that. My other number was seven plays over 20 yards. We had five in the game yesterday. Uh, we came in with 24 plays overall, 24 pass plays on the season, over 20 yards. We had five yesterday. I said we needed seven. I was a little ambitious, I think. Really not. I don't think I'm ambitious at all of wanting seven plays over bet, 20 yards. Let me try to help you out here. You had some near misses. Okay, we had an 18-yard pass. We had a 17-yard pass, and we had a 19-yard pass. So we were around your number. All we needed was a good spot by an official on one of those. Boy, speaking of spots, did have you, you see the video? <laughs> so they run, they run basically a throwback screen to a tight end. They've got it set up. They go for what's a clear first down. I mean, it's not even debatable. He was standing up as he was pushed out of bounds. So there's not a slide. It's not the Tennessee Ole Miss, where do you put the football issue? And they marked the guy two yards short. It wasn't even close. Are you calling into question the spotting abilities of Southeastern Conference officials? I'm calling into question a lot of abilities of Southeastern Conference officials, but I'll I'll leave that alone. So, all right, so you hit then on two of your three. We, I did. We did what you wanted us to do there. All right, so I'm going to work mine backwards. I had one clear miss. I wanted a fumble recovery. Didn't get it. Didn't have a chance, really. No, but, man, what is going on? We, there's just no fumbles anymore. We did get the interception, but I wanted to see a fumble recovery. NC State, last time we got one, second game of the year. I did hit on saying we'd see two quarterbacks. I was getting a little worried there late, but I just it just had to be. Did it, it surprise you that it was that late that we saw Chance Levertage? It surprised me. I, I started getting a lot of texts. You know, when you're up 38-6, to six, I think people were anticipating seeing Chance Levertich in that drive with 9-14 to go in the fourth quarter, and you're up 38-6. to six. And we kept Will in. We went five plays and we punted. And then we, we get Chance on that last drive that starts with 432 to go. Yeah, I thought we would. But I'm going to give myself a hit there on the number of quarterbacks. Now we got to quibble over one, okay? I said I wanted five three and outs. And this goes back to methodology here. It goes back to what is it that you count? Because they had three clear three and outs. Three play drive for three yards, three for minus five, three for minus three. We also had an interception on the first play of a drive. Now, in the book, that doesn't go three and out. But as bad as that pass was by Mike Wright, yeah, I'll but, go ahead and throw that in any category you want to throw it in. But that's, that's I mean, it's less than three plays. We got off the field as fast as we possibly could. That seems like a win there. At the end of the ball game, they ran three plays for nine yards, had a fourth down, never had to punt. Do I get that one? Eh, okay, I'll give that one up. Here's the one that is interesting. In the fourth quarter, Vanderbilt's first possession. You can have it, whatever it is. If it's fourth quarter in that game, there are no technicalities in this, but go ahead. Well, so here's what happened. So they had it first and 10 at the 25 after we had kicked off. They rushed for two yards, now it's second and eight. Rocco Griffin has a 15-yard game, and bless his heart because he didn't get many yards at all yesterday. So that was on a second and eight play. 
but the penalty is thrown, and they assess the penalty, and now it's second and 15. So they never picked up the first down. So the flag happened down the field, which yeah, so it was a holding downfield. They assess it, bring it back, and then they run a second down play, a third down play, and then punt. Oh, so essentially they get credit for four plays because the penalty happened beyond the line of scrimmage. No, that's three and out. So I'm I am calling that a hit. No, we're not going to sit here and, and squabble over technicalities here on Vanderbilt's third downs. I can tell you that right <laughs> <But> now. <laughs> we got off the field as fast as we could. They punted without picking up a first down. To me, I'm going to say we did the spirit of it. And here's the other thing. They ran 42 plays in 12 drives. They effectively averaged a three and out. They only had one drive. Think about this. Only one time yesterday did they have a drive that went more than five plays. Completely inefficient. Completely inefficient. You know who's not inefficient? Strange Brew. When I walk in there this morning, they were very efficient. They had a crowd full of folks in there. Everybody lined up. I got through the line in a hurry. They put my coffee bean on top of my coffee. Every time I'm in Strange Brew, they are efficient, unlike the Vanderbilt offense. And so I got my blueberry cobbler this morning. So I was thinking about that, by the way. So your whole blueberry cobbler thing. I've kind of decided that – so I drink my coffee black, as has been documented – I've decided, like, I'm the guy who drinks the Cabernet. You're the guy who gets the wine spritzer. The wine in the box. Yeah, you, you've got you to gotta have a little extra in yours. Yeah, i, I got no problem with that. you got a little carbonation in your wine. That's, that's kind of your approach here. Who are the two old guys? Bartles and James. Remember those guys? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever happened to Bartles and James? Is this still on the shelves? Well, that would be a good research project. I'll have to get on that. Yeah, okay. Strange Brew, three locations. The one downtown at University. They've got the, the Highway 12 here in Startville, the one with the big sign right there at the corner of Spring Street. And then they also have Tupelo, Brupolo, downtown Tupelo, Turn and Spoon ice cream. The ice cream is fantastic. That's where Sims will go later this afternoon. But I start every Sunday morning with a nice cup of coffee, from Strange Brew Coffee House. And, of course, we're in the Farm Bureau Studios, downtown Starville Farm Bureau. Go with the home team at Farm Bureau. Check them out at favorites.com. They have agents in every county in the state of Mississippi. Talked to old Ben McDay just the other day down in Philadelphia, Michael Vick down in Philadelphia, and all those guys. You got Haley Moody in Louisville, Joey Partridge in Louisville, Mitch McAdory in Louisville. I hang out with all those guys in East Central Mississippi, but you can't go wrong with the fine folks at Farm Bureau. Go with the home team. The customer service is absolutely fantastic. So we look at our three numbers. Charlie, I hit on two of mine. Can't your players do? Oh, my players were awful. Not to take swipes, but I am taking swipes, I guess. I said Will Shepard was the guy you look out for. You know, they went over the top to Will Shepard last week against South Carolina, had the big 52-yard touchdown catch. He caught one ball yesterday, and that was the only time he was targeted. He caught one ball for four yards. He was in the game for 23 pass snaps, 23 times he ran out in a route, and he got one ball thrown his way. Now, the question you ask yourself is, was it because of the job that we did covering him? But he had one target and one catch yesterday for four yards that was it and on that pass play his depth of target was four yards so it's not like they went down the field to him at all they must have been running him as a decoy yesterday charlie that's what it was that's what it was they, they threw that decoy out there clever approach my other guy was on defense and he did not fare much better at all i went nate clifton he played 48 plays yesterday he had three tackles 
He had one pressure on the quarterback, and that was it. Hey, that's one of the things we haven't talked about is yesterday Vanderbilt got 10 pressures on Will Rogers. And so it wasn't like he had a clean pocket all day long. All right, I do want to talk about that, and I'm glad you brought that up. One of the things I love about – we talk all the time about pro football focus and its ability to kind of dig into some of the deeper numbers. And it's always interesting to me to see the disconnect between what people say about a game, or sometimes they're right, but how the grades turn out. I went back and looked today because they assign a grade for pressures allowed and then who it's on. So if, if the quarterback gets sacked, they're going to figure out where it came from. And if it came from the quarterback holding the football too long, they're going to talk about that. Yesterday, would you believe our interior offensive lineman, the middle three guys, did not allow a sack yesterday? We were really good up the middle. In fact, you know who had the highest grade of all our offensive linemen yesterday? Dollar Bill. Really? Yep, highest one. Good Laquinston for Dollar Sharp Bill. was second, and Cam Jones was third. Wow. So your, your tackles had a little tougher day. But of the pressures on the quarterback, they assigned two of those to Will. They blame one sack on him and one pressure in addition to that. Really? Okay, so he had ten pressures yesterday. Three sacks, two scrambles. So that means he actually throws the ball five times. He completed two out of five under pressure, and both the completions were touchdowns. He went two for five with two touchdowns yesterday under pressure. So we were pressured ten times in the game. All ten came on non-play action. The pressures that he got off, three of them were short passes, zero to nine yards. Hey, here's where Will was good yesterday. We talk about going down the field a little bit more. He was nine of 12 in that area between 10 and 19 yards down the field. 9 of 12, two touchdowns, throwing the ball. He only had one pressure. He had 3.2 seconds to throw the football, and he graded out NFL-wise 145.5. So his best area yesterday throwing the ball was in that area between 10 and 19 yards down the field. Strangely enough, his lowest grade was in the short passes. Yeah, that's what's so interesting. Between 10 and 20 yards down the field, in between the numbers, he was 5 for 5 yesterday. So, yeah, we, we threw it. Outside of that 10-yard marker, a little bit better yesterday. I thought the most impressive play that Will made yesterday, I thought that, well, let me take that back. The 31-yard touchdown pass was pretty nice. That ball was right yeah, was where it needed to be. The one I thought was the most athletic play was where he's scrambling to his right. You're thinking he may try to run. He ducks back inside a defender and then finds, I think it was Rufus Harvey. Yeah, Rufus was wide open in the back of the end zone. And he had to work himself open. Rufus did a nice job kind of settling down in an open spot, and then Will did a really good job of keeping his eyes downfield. It's one of those things where sometimes, even Mike Leach said this yesterday, there are plenty of times where Will needs to get rid of the ball, where he's holding it too long. And then there are times like that where if he panics and throws it in the bleachers at the first sign of pressure and doesn't extend that play a little bit, then you don't have that touchdown. You know, I had a very similar play my senior year at Nanawalia. I was rolling left. Were you the defensive back or the quarterback? I was the quarterback. Oh, okay. I was rolling left. And so it was, it was a very similar situation where you've got you know, the, your first and second target, and they're both covered up. And I'm rolling left, rolling left, and I'm like, I'm, I'm about to throw it away. And then there was this guy named Nicholas Sierra in the back of the end zone. And Nicholas had never caught a pass in his life, and he throws up his hand. And I throw it to him, and he catches a touchdown, and he cried. He cried after he caught the touchdown because I'd never thrown him the ball before. And that was the same situation with Rufus Harvey. Rufus was wide open, standing there by himself. That was only the second time he'd ever caught a ball in his life, and it's his first touchdown. 
I, look, I, I knew you were going to have to work hard to get Nanawaya into this show today. No, I just I just felt like that was one of those great moments that Rufus catches his first touchdown pass, and I thought of Nicholas Sierra yesterday standing in the back of the end zone. And now you've told the whole world that he cried during a football game. He was just happy. Oh, okay. Tears of joy. It's okay. You. It's okay to have tears of joy. Kendall has tears of joy all the time. Kendall will cry in an interview more than anybody I've ever seen in my life. And that's not a knock at him at all. Did you see that? We tweeted that out yesterday about, you know, he was emotional after going to, and of course you're going to be emotional after going to the World Series. He is one of the, you could do a fascinating character study on him. Because yeah. every time we talk to him, he's the nicest guy you'll ever meet. And then put him on the mound with a baseball, get a little too close to the plate, and you're going to be wearing a fastball from him. It's awesome. I have a lot of guys that I really am close to that I think a lot of in the game of baseball, but Kendall is is, is pretty awesome. Awesome dude. He, he doesn't just manufacture that persona when he gets on camera. Okay, back to football real quick. Yeah, my two guys, by the way, Mike Wright. Yeah. Say what you will about the quality of quarterbacking in the Southeastern Conference. Vanderbilt hasn't found one. Here's what I would do if I were Vanderbilt. In today's world of transfer portal, I would go out and find me a show enough big-time dog and I would have somebody meet with him. I'm not telling you about making any kind of NCAA fractions right here. I'm just saying, if I'm a guy out there, and you know what? I want to hang a Vanderbilt diploma on my wall. That may be what I do, is I go somewhere like Wyoming, and I find like a, a junior <laughs> who, can, who can just sling it around and say, you want to hang it, the Vanderbilt diploma on the wall? Well, the problem is you're going to have to offer some health benefits as well because most of those guys are going to have a stay in Vanderbilt's Level 2 Trauma Center. We will let you three times a year go over to baseball and dance on the duck and show off your dancing well, now, ab- and show off your dancing yeah, abilities. Now we're getting somewhere. I don't know what I would do if I was Clark Lee. I think the problem is right now, it's not a matter of scheme. They just don't have any guys. They don't have any guys. But what do you do when you play a team that have any guys? Beat them up. That's what we did yesterday. Now, haven't we probably said all we need to say about that game? Yep. And, uh, hey, we brought all that up on on our Friday Deep Dig brought to you by Trax Plus. You know, Trax Plus, four locations now. they got the main hub down in Hickory at the Hickory exit on I-20. Between Starville and Columbus on Highway 82, then down in Summit, Mississippi, and in Alexandria, Louisiana. Hoop Weems is down in Alexandria. Gresh Howell is down in Summit. Over here in Columbus, you got Daniel Bounds and Fred Fulton and Ken Crosby's down in Hickory. So if you're in the need for some Barco equipment, and I actually sent a text message to Chris Weems the other day. I need somebody to do some mulching on some property. And I gave him a call. I don't know if they trust me enough to go down there and get any of the stuff and do it myself. So I'll charge you extra. I have to find somebody to do it. But anyway, Tracks Plus. They have the excavators. They have all the construction equipment with Saney. Just great people, great service, Tracks plus hey so let's look forward to next week all right so charlie we've got five games left we're sitting at four and three and the conservative viewpoint is we got to get to six wins somehow you got tennessee state on the schedule so what does that mean you've got kentucky at home you've got Ole miss at home you've got auburn and arkansas on the road this is your best chance to get a win and that's not to say you don't have multiple chances and that's not to say you can only hope for one more but I think this is the easiest game that you have remaining on your schedule for teams outside of Tennessee. Kentucky is not a great football team. But they remind me a little bit, in a strange way, of us in the late 90s. Their offense isn't great, but they don't give up a lot of points. And they kind of hang around, and they take advantage of mistakes, and then that's how they beat you. If you let them run the football, they will win the game. If you really peel back 
everything about Kentucky. They won 16-10 to 10 against South Carolina. South Carolina and Vandy went head-to-head, all right? South Carolina, bless Shane Beamer's heart. You saw it last night. They're not any good. I hate to say that. They'll get better. So they won by six there. They barely beat Chattanooga in a game that they were down where they didn't play well at all. Now, are we going to get a better effort than they gave against Chattanooga? Absolutely. They had to block a field goal against Florida on a night that Florida was absolutely wretched. And almost doubled them up on yards. Yeah. And last week they go to Georgia. They get beat 30-13, to 13 and they score with two seconds to go in a game just to cover the spread. By the way, what do you think the spread will be this week? State and Kentucky. If you're a betting man, it'll come out later today. Kentucky by three and a half. You think so? Yeah. If you, I'm going to say the, one. I'm going to say really? Kentucky by one in this game. I think Vegas will see who they are. Of course, they'll see who we are too. But I say it's. I'll say it'll be within two points either way. It may be a push. It may be a pick 'em in this one. So now that I've told you, I don't think Kentucky's that great. They've got one loss. Yeah, but the, and ultimately, they, at the end of the day, it's about winning and losing. They go on the road, lose to Georgia, thirty to thirteen. They hung around in that game. Yeah, but Georgia's not good offensively. They've only allowed – that's the only time all year I think they've allowed 30 points in a ball game. They just don't give up many. And so you have to say, if I'm sitting out there in Vegas looking at Mississippi State, can you score? Well, State threw six interceptions against Kentucky last year. Woof. Yeah, six interceptions. So we got to be 24-2 to in that game. Here's the other thing about Kentucky. The average age of their team is around 42. Yeah, they've got some transfers. Yeah, these guys have been around. But I, I, I go back to the point of when they played on the road. They played at South Carolina. They played at Georgia. Did not, did not play well at all in either one of those games. Saturday night at home should be a great crowd. I think the weather, the temperature, long-range forecast, what you said last night, 60, 60s. Yeah, mid-60s should be perfect. Great chance to tailgate all day, hang outside. It's an important football game. It's an important football game, a very important football game. And then you know what's important, too? is the bank that you choose. And that's <laughs> there bank, we go. That's bank first. Bank first, better way to bank. They Keep on expanding in Mississippi and over into Alabama. They've got all kind of things going on right now. Commercial lending, mortgage lending, throughout the state of Mississippi, just great customer service and good people. And I want to do my business. If I want to deal with a banker, I want to deal with a banker that I trust. I want to deal with a banker that I like to talk to. Bank first, better way to bank. All right, Charlie. So we go to next week. Hey, but but first, man, bless our heart at Vanderbilt. We've given them such a hard time, and that's a good win. I'll take any win we could get. But do you know the first thing that I thought of last night when we're just beating the brakes off of Vanderbilt? Vanderbilt is so bad that in 2004, the week after we lost to Maine, that Sylvester Croom team would have beat Vanderbilt. That's how bad they are. Hung half a hundred on them. Who would you take head up, 2004 Maine or this Vandy team on a neutral field? I would take the Maine team, and here's the reason I'd take the Maine team. I'd take the under. I'd take the Maine team, and here's the reason I'd take the Maine team. They had this guy, and it's been 17 years ago. He wore number four. He was the outside linebacker. We ain't blocked him all night. We ain't adjusted yet. He was putting pressure on Omar Connor all night long. He would have gotten to Mike Wright any time he wanted to get to him. Vanderbilt would not have scored. It would have been the return of the main. The main black bears would have beaten Vanderbilt yesterday. Well, you can sit here and cast aspersions on our friends from Nashville. I'm not going to do that, Bart. I'm above all that. Here's what I would say. We did what we were supposed to do. Look, when the year's over and we're looking back at the history books on this one, 
Are you going to say, boy, that was an impressive win. Boy, that was an exciting win. No, but you know what you're going to say? It's a win. It's a win against a team you were supposed to beat. We talked a little bit, you know, kind of about what the line for Kentucky will be. We handily beat the line on this game yesterday. What was the line on the game, 20? I don't know. I don't bet. Okay. So, anyway, it was 20, right? <laughs> hey, enjoyed it. We'll be back the midweek for our Out of Left Field show. Once again, thanks to our great sponsors. Strange Brew Coffee House here on Sunday Coffee at Farm Bureau Studios right here in downtown. And once again, this past Friday, we talked about all these great numbers on our Tracks Plus Deep Dig. And once again, the best bank without doubt. Great customer service. Bank first. And also, beef is what's for dinner. And brought to you by the Mississippi Beef Producers and their checkoff. What's a checkoff? A checkoff is any time a cow is run through a sale, a dollar goes to the marketing. That's a checkoff. So like soybeans, too. Anytime they go for sale, they have a percentage, they have a, a number that goes toward checkoff, and the checkoff is your advertising dollars. That's why they have so many advertising dollars nationwide with beef and with soybeans and with Mississippi. And so it's a, you promote the industry. Yes. Everybody kind of plays along based on your level of production. Yes, that is absolutely right. And once I said that, and the whole thought is, is like when you say beef is what's for dinner, it puts in the back of somebody's mind, man, you know what? I want a steak tonight. You know what it just did to me? Man, I want a hamburger for lunch, and that's what I'm going to do. Well, I've heard Jim Ellis all these years talk about checkoffs. Uh, now I know. So I've been educated this morning. Okay. And I know somebody's going to get a little bit more detailed and tweet us later today about how the checkoffs work. And I probably gave you a 25,000-foot view of it. So I know it'll be, a, it'll be a little bit more detailed. But anyway, enjoyed it as always. We'll be back Friday. We'll talk about Mississippi State and Kentucky on our Tracks Plus Deep Dig. And then back in the studios next week. Hopefully we're as happy next week after a huge win over Kentucky as we are today with our Strange Brew Coffee. I bet we won't be making as much fun of Kentucky. Well, if they acted like fools like Vanderbilt does, we'd, we would. <laughs> enjoyed it. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us.